Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Job Hunting Podcast. In this episode, we're going to talk about the rise of the work from home and how it has left many of us feeling unproductive, working longer hours, feeling disconnected from peers and colleagues. And as a career coach, I talk to many professionals that feel like that, and that's why they want a change in their careers. They feel bored. They feel they have achieved everything that they could have achieved in their current job, and they feel that sometimes hybrid hasn't really worked for them or it hasn't worked for the company they work for. They feel constantly micromanaged. They feel that the policies that have been implemented post-pandemic focus not on output, but on the activity and the presence in the office, and they're not conducive to a good work culture. I think that if we want to work from home, that the change needs to start with us. We need to get better ourselves in working from home. And that's why I think this episode is important. The way that we work from home is a challenge to many of us. You know, it's about creating new habits, new systems and structures for ourselves so that we operate more efficiently and professionally from home. This may be the year that as corporate professionals, we make a strong case to companies to influence them and show them that we can work in a diverse way and not just in the traditional office environment. So I hope that this episode is a guide for you, hybrid worker, remote worker. Maybe it's your first step and, you know, an educational piece for you to become a better colleague, team member or manager in this remote work environment. Or maybe you are already part of the remote worker community, but there could be some tips and ideas and strategies that I'm going to share with you that you haven't yet considered or implemented. I also include lots of tools towards the end of the episode. We're going to talk about tools. I love talking about tools for remote workers. So I hope that you enjoy learning a little bit about them and then considering implementing them in your office. Let's go. Let's do this. I'm Renata Bernardi, and this is the Job Hunting Podcast, where I interview experts and professionals and discuss issues that are important for job hunters and those who are working to advance their careers. So make sure that you subscribe and follow, and let's dive right in. First of all, I want to let you know that we have somebody else in the room with me today. His name is Jockey. Jockey is a guest at my house, is a kabuto, kabuto, I don't know how to pronounce it. He's asleep at the moment, but from time to time, he tends to bark to anyone walking outside my office. So if we're interrupted, <laughs> I hope it's just cute and not annoying, but we'll see. I might need to edit him out, but he's here with me and he will probably be here for the next few episodes. He's staying with us for a month. I also want to tell you that this episode is brought to you by Talent Predicts, the strengths assessment behind my most affordable service, Find My Talents, which you can find on my website, renatabernardi.com. And all my private and group coaching clients have done their Talent Predicts assessment, and I have had amazing feedback from those clients. Even my most experienced executives and also my HR director clients who work with me and have extensive knowledge of psychometric testing, they have been really impressed by Talent 
Talent predicts because Talent predicts is brand new. It uses the latest assessment technology and behavior science to identify your standout strengths and factors that enable you to be at your best at work. Learning about your strengths can help you know where and how you can use them. Talent Predicts emphasizes the unique combination of talents, career drivers, and personal values to help you improve your career decisions and know where to focus your energy to achieve your goals. The assessment takes approximately 20 minutes to complete, so it's not very time-consuming. And once you complete the assessment, you receive a report straight away. So go to my website now and use the discount code that I have available for you to explore the results of your Talent Predicts personal profile and use them to get clarity on your career goals and start planning for your professional future. I wish you the best of luck. And if you want to have the discount code and access to my website, there's a link to it in the episode show notes. So go have a look. Okay, let's go back to the episode. What do you think are the most challenging aspects of working from home for you? I hear so much about it from my clients, but I'd love for you to consider as you're listening to me on this podcast, you know, what you feel is impacting your productivity. Is it because you're feeling distracted? Is it loneliness? Is it lack of motivation because, you know, you don't have a lot of variety in your work when you're working from home? I'm going to talk about strategies that I think will help in different ways. It will help, you know, with distraction, with loneliness, with lack of motivation. And we are going to discuss them one by one. I have identified seven different strategies. And, you know, I think if you want a sort of a big summary at the beginning, if you're in a hurry, it's all about goal setting, time management and self-care in the end, right? So these seven strategies will help you get there with the goal setting, with the time management in the self-care, you see, because it's very easy for me to just say, oh, it's oh, all you need to do is <laughs> set goals and manage your time better and take better care of yourself. But how? How do you do that? And when? <laughs> and uh, you know what to do to actually achieve those three things that I think are so important for people that are working from home, quite isolated from the rest of their teams, physically at least. You know, I think the idea here is to find ways to feel more connected, even if you are working remotely. So the first thing I want to talk about is setting up a productive workspace at home. This is instrumental. If you've been listening to these episodes of the Job Hunting Podcast, some of the ideas will be a bit repetitive, but some of them are brand new because I've been really thinking strongly about this to help my clients that I think have hit maybe, they have hit maybe an overload of working from home, like they've had enough. And I know that some people are not happy to go back to the office. And I understand that personally, I do. I work from home 100% of the time because I'm a career coach. So I report to myself and that's, you know, my boss, which is me, decided that that works for me. But some people have reached their limit in working from home and they feel really unproductive in 2023 when this podcast is being recorded. But I think, you know, it's such an important strategy to have the workspace at home that's suitable and conducive 
to productivity. And I have a feeling by what I see when people log in to talk to me <laughs> and I can see where they are in their house or in a co-working space that, you know, they are not entirely set up yet for working from home. Creating a dedicated workspace that minimizes distractions because it is dedicated. It's not something that you have to put together every morning and take out at night if you're using the dining table, for example. That has optimal lighting because when you are on video, you want people to see your face. You don't want to be in the shadows. And I see a lot of people not really being in a place at home where it's easy to see them. Some people are completely in the shadow when they log in to talk to me. I also find that some people are getting unwell physically from working from home in environments that are not ergonomic. It could be that you're using the dining room chair or a stool or a desk that is not really a desk. It could be a coffee table or something. And that's really detrimental to your body. I have family members that are going through issues with their hands and with their backs because of bed posture and working in environments that weren't designed to be office environments. So if you think about the amount of effort that we have put into setting up offices that are ergonomic for sometimes even insurance, most times, to be honest, for insurance reasons. I remember, you know, setting up office space for I don't know, a team of 40 people in my last job and being very careful with ergonomics and having stand-up desks and proper chairs and the best possible setup for them. We haven't really done that. Many of us haven't done that at home. Also, the technology of your home office is so important. And, you know, I think Having all of this, having this dedicated space helps balancing work and personal life. Because if you have a dedicated space that you can move away from when the work is done at the end of the day or whatever, you know, time work is done for you during the day, it makes for a better transition between work and the rest of your life, even if you're working from home. A few of the things that I think are important to elevate your professional presence when working from home, and I have mentioned this before, is the importance of background. So the background behind you, ideally, as you have transitioned to this hybrid environment, you're working from your home, your home office. I hope that you have a home office, but if you don't have a home office, wherever you are, it could be your bedroom, it could be a corner of your living room, wherever you are, it's time for you, if you haven't done this yet, to think about what you can do to make it look really professional when you are on video with other people. So that real background is an important goal for you. If you can't do it tomorrow, I understand, but work towards moving the furniture around, moving the kids around and, you know, making maybe small renovations that are not very costly so that you can have a small office. So for example, my next door neighbor, whose dog you know, jockey belongs to the next door neighbor. They are away now. But their home is exactly like ours because we live in townhouses. But they have created a little nook in the living room that is my neighbor's office, right? And I think it was done in a day by the previous owner of the house next door. And it works really well. It really didn't reduce the living room space by 
too much. I mean, when I go there and visit them, I don't feel like the living room is much smaller than ours, but somehow it really works. It's a small office, I would say two by two or less, a one and a half by two, maybe. It's really tiny, but it's his. And once he's out of there, that's it. You know, he's in his living room and he can sort of move away from work. And I think that that's really important. And like I said, balancing that work and personal life aspect of working from home. Not having people showing behind you, I think if you can achieve that, and again, maybe it's not something you can do tomorrow, but think about what it means to have an office where behind you maybe it's a bookshelf or a piece of art or not a white wall, but you know, a wall with some color and movement to it, I think is great. But it's weird when sometimes you're saying something not completely confidential, but work-related, right? Like you're in a meeting, you're, you're talking about work, and then there's a partner in the background, you know, um, making a coffee or taking out the bin. I've seen everything. <laughs> and that's kind of not what you want to do. It's not what your employer expects to see from somebody that is representing the organization to other colleagues you know, and sometimes clients as well. It, you need to be more careful about that if you want employers to agree with you that remote work is the way to go. I believe it helps in many ways, like I said, to have that set up, that productive workspace set up. I think it motivates you to be on video more when I think that being on video is important for networking, for career progression and advancement. I also feel that people become more organized when, you know, it's a dedicated space that they can have at home to work. It helps you in the ability to connect because you can call people, you know, you're in a dedicated space so you can make calls and you know you won't be disturbed. So I want you to sort of think about number one as being probably the most important of all of the seven things I'm going to talk about today. Now, what else? What else can we do to help us become more productive? And I'd say that creating a daily routine and schedule is really important. But there are some interesting surprises that I've personally learned from trying to develop my daily routine. So setting up work hours and breaks and time to exercise, as well as managing strategies for the work that you're doing, you know, creative work versus meetings and so on is really important. It took me some time to realize, and this is what really surprised me at the beginning. It sounds dumb now, but it took me a while to realize that I did not have to start working at 8 a.m. or 9 a.m. Like this was kind of built into me over time. It was just because people do it and I had been doing it for so long. But now I start working much later some days, not all days, because, okay, I'll tell you how I do it. I work on a fortnightly schedule, right? So I have one week where I am coaching almost full time, like almost every day. And because I coach clients from around the world, I start early, my friends. <laughs> so I start coaching sometimes 6 a.m., sometimes, most times 7 a.m. 7 a.m. is a great time for some of my clients across the globe. 8 a.m. can be great as well for clients in the U.S., and then for some clients, it's 6 p.m., 7 p.m. my time. That's great for them. So that would be UK, for example. And then 
during the day. It's great for Australians. It's great for people in some Asian countries that I, Middle Eastern countries that I help as well. So yeah, so that week is my coaching week and I see clients almost every day. And if there are no bookings early in the morning, then I usually don't start 8, 9 a.m. Like I start much later. I go for a long walk. I go to the gym. I have a shower. I eat a very slow breakfast, watching, you know, something on TV alone because by then Andre is already working. And I usually start like 10, 30, 11 a.m. And that's perfectly fine. And I, I like that. I like to preload my day with the things that I, frankly, I actually don't like doing. I don't like going to the gym. So I preload my day with that. And that's kind of how I've organized the other week. So the other week, I usually have that very slow beginning of the day. But then I work until 7 p.m. at night. And that works really well for me. Okay, so in, in creating that daily routine and schedule, we take regular breaks to recharge, Andre and I. We just left the house, went to the cafe next door, ate, came back. I always found it strange that before the pandemic, my husband has been working from home for more than two decades now, and I find it really bizarre that he wears a belt and shoes to work from home. <laughs> and I always made fun of him, but I think it makes sense to me now because I put makeup on, I get dressed, even if I'm not seeing clients, even if all I'm doing is podcasting and strategic work for my business, I get dressed for work and it helps me. I've tried, you know, especially during those really long lockdowns that we had in Melbourne, I tried to work more comfortably <laughs> and I couldn't. Look, I'm not saying that you have to do what I do. You just need to find a daily routine and a schedule and a way of getting ready for work that suits you. Also, now I am way more flexible. So, for example, I worked all day Sunday. Okay, and that's not something that I usually do because I like to spend time with my friends and family and husband and, you know, they, they usually have a Monday to Friday routine. But I wanted to take a few days off during the week. And for me, it meant having to work Sunday. So I am flexible like that. I've kind of unlearned a lot of things that I had learned in my previous corporate life. And I am okay with that. So if you're feeling challenged by adopting a routine, and this is really better done when you think about it as a routine and not as being motivated or waiting for inspiration to come, right? That really doesn't, it won't come. <laughs> what you need is sort of embedded in your life as if it was washing your hair, brushing your teeth, things like that. Okay, so if you're feeling challenged and finding it really difficult to adopt a routine, I have a document. Maybe you've already downloaded it if you've been following for a while. But if you haven't, it's the optimized job search schedule. It's not a schedule. It's actually three schedules you can choose from. It's a weekly schedule. There's a part-time one, a full-time one, and a light version. And those are schedules that I created for job seekers, people that are looking for work so that they know what activities they need to do and what days to best do them and to think about job searching more holistically. So it starts with, you know, exercise or meditation every day. <laughs> and I think, you know, these are important 
things that you need to include as part of your job search strategy because you need to manage the stress. You need to manage the anxiety of not having a job or looking for a job if you currently have one. How to do it in a way that allows you to have a full-time job and still look for work carving out the time what are the best times to do things like linkedin and stuff like that i'll give you an example if you only have a little bit of time for linkedin don't do it on a sunday because nobody's there on a sunday okay even if you take 30 minutes and do it on a wednesday morning that will be best for you than to do it on a sunday so things like that you will learn from the optimized job search schedule. There's a workbook with the three schedules and there's also a masterclass about how to use it. And they are available in the link in the episode show notes, or you can just go to my website. You will find it there. Okay, let's move to the third strategy to help you be more productive at home. And it is staying connected with colleagues and clients. Now, we need to explore different ways to stay connected with coworkers these days and clients and customers and everybody. Because even if you go to the office, you may have experienced this. You go and there's no one there. <laughs> and it's very hard now because it's all kind of disjointed. So video conferencing, instant messaging, emails, project management tools, those are all things that if you're not familiar with them, if you don't like them, now it's time to get over it. It's time to adapt and to adopt them and to learn as much as you can about them. Now, I'm 52 years old and I'm already finding it hard to know so much about so many different types of technology that I need to incorporate. But I ask questions all the time. I have this little time in the morning when I sit down to have my breakfast where I am learning about something. So for example, some of the people that I work with have Telegram and I downloaded it. I started using it, you know, texted a few people and asked them if they use it, kind of getting to know Telegram, to see if it's worth me using it. I've decided it, I, it's not, but I love WhatsApp and I use it a lot. I send audio messages on WhatsApp to my clients, to people that work with me overseas, to family members and so on. So, you know, learning the tools that your colleagues use at work, that your sector, your industry have incorporated. So for example, there are industries and sectors and companies that love Slack or love Teams or love Zoom or love whatever it is that you find is more common and popular, then find ways to learn it. From time to time, I will attend like a free webinar on that's organized by Zoom to learn more about the platform, learn how to use the whiteboard and so on. So all of these things I think are important. I'm a big fan of Zoom. I find that Zoom is better for me as a career coach because even though I have Teams and I could use Teams, I have clients that have Mac and I have people that work for me like Camille, who edits this podcast, and she has a Mac. And Teams is not great for Macs, I have found. And Zoom works better with PCs and Apple and so on. So I find that, for example, with Zoom, there's so many things that you can do. You can, or Teams, whichever platform you use, you can have like an open door hour or open door half a day where people just come together without an agenda and without a specific meeting and you can just hang out as a team 
in that open hour. So if you're a manager and you're managing, let's say, four, five, 10, 30 people, you can have like an open day, an open afternoon on a Friday where people can just come in and chat to you. You you can be working. And I've done this so many times. I can be working, right? Doing whatever I do. And then my group coaching participants would then come in and chat if they wanted to. I didn't do this this time around because I was testing a different community environment for the group coaching program, but I missed it. And I will probably do it next time in September when I run it again. Because up until last year, I was using Zoom to run my group. And now the platform where I have my online courses has a community environment. So I don't use Zoom anymore. But I have come to realize that I can do that in the community environment. What I mean by that is this. I will just let my group know, okay, Friday from 8 a.m. to 12 p.m. Australia time. If you want to connect and hang out and ask questions, I will be there. I'll be there. You know, you can come and work together. You can come and ask me questions, come in and out whenever you're free. You know, if you're job seeking and job hunting, you're applying for a job, use that time to apply. And during the application, if you have any questions, you can just pop in the community and ask me the question and we can review your application together. So it's like an open door policy. People can come in and out. (laughs) The idea is not that you would be hanging out with me for four hours. Does that make sense? It's just that for four hours, my door is open and you can come in and out anytime. I'm a really big fan of that. And I know that some of my executive coaching clients have adopted that policy with success with their teams. I'm also a big fan of catching up with colleagues who live near you. I know it seems unfair because now teams are spread nationally or internationally and there will be people you will never meet face to face but if there's somebody in the same city as you even if they're not in the same team like if they're in a a different team try to organize a coffee catch-up or go for a walk with them or whatever suits really go to the office on the same day it really helps Another thing that I think people are starting to do, either because they want to or because the company wants them to do it, is go back into the office for one, two, three, sometimes four days a week. I think that the sweet spot has been either two days a week or three days a week. That's what I have found that most people are okay with doing. If the company asks for them to come time, come back full time or come back four days a week, usually there's a backlash <laughs> and people don't want to go. So two to three days a week, I find that it's the sweet spot. People don't tend to complain about that. Sometimes what I have helped clients do is to negotiate so that one fortnight you go one day a week and then another fortnight you go more just so that you can sort of have that fortnightly schedule like the one that I have for my own business. And yeah, so when going back into the office, make the most out of it. Chances are, and you know this, chances are that that day in the office is not going to be a productive day. Okay, but don't be grumpy about that because productivity is not everything. You know, going into the office and catching up with people and seeing your clients, seeing your colleagues or your boss, it's about connectivity. It's about emotional intelligence. It's about business intelligence, understanding what's going on that you won't see if you work from home all the time. 
It's about co-creation and co-designing of projects and strategies and also gaining trust of people. Like if you're new to an organization or you haven't seen somebody for a long time, it's about setting things right, you know, dotting the I's, crossing the T's, all the things that are left unsaid sometimes in remote work, you can sort of fix things when you meet people face to face. So be open with your colleagues, share, learn, listen in those days that you are in the office with them and be productive when you're back home. Okay, so let's talk about number four, maintaining a professional communication style in a remote tech world is so important. So communicating effectively and professionally in remote work environment is very different than doing the same thing face to face. It has to do with considering new professional etiquette, you know, professional etiquette that we were starting to learn before the pandemic, you know, about emailing and about video conferencing, about virtual networking and all of that. But it has now been escalated since the pandemic. And now that everybody is mostly, you know, a lot of people, not everybody, but a lot of people is working remotely or hybridly. So not knowing how to present online is problematic. A lot of people complain when part of the job search process includes video interviews, as in talking straight to camera. I mean, people are more comfortable with like the Zoom interview where you you have other people on the other side. But this idea of talking straight to camera, which is what I'm doing right now, there's nobody in the room except for Jockey. He is asleep, my neighbor's dog. So yeah, so talking straight to camera is really awkward. It's strange. And you can see that sometimes I'm looking at the camera, sometimes I'm looking down, thinking or looking at my notes. I think it's important as a new leader in this virtual world, as a remote worker colleague in this virtual world, that you're comfortable with video, that you have to be, because async communication, which we have discussed in previous episodes, is so important these days and way more productive and effective as well. So doing the video presentation as part of your selection process is actually a really smart move by headhunters and recruiters. So knowing how to present online also means knowing how to use either Canva presentation or PowerPoint presentation in a way that is really optimized for Zoom. So, you know, five years ago, four years ago, you were presenting in face-to-face environments. And that's fine. You you had your presentation, you use a mouse to change the slides, and you were done and dusted with it. You, You knew how to do it, right? So now you have PowerPoint or Canva presentations that really require you to have two monitors, at least, if not three. I work with two monitors. I'm seriously considering adding a third one. I think I should have already, (laughs) but at least two is really important. It's very hard for you to present well without two monitors with Canva or PowerPoint presentations. Also, having the best possible camera that you can afford or that your employer can provide is really important. Most likely the camera that you use 
from your laptop is not good enough. And if you don't have a dedicated mic, and I mean, this mic, it's too much. But my Logitech camera, which I'm going to talk about a bit later as well, has an amazing microphone. And when I am in meetings with clients, that's the microphone that I use. I only use this microphone for podcasting. So that is really important to consider investing. Either your employer can invest or you can invest. Even the camera angle makes a huge difference in terms of showcasing your professionalism when working from home. My camera is sitting above my monitor. It's clipped to my monitor and it's at eye level. In fact, I think it's a little bit above my eye level and that's the ideal setup. If you're watching this on YouTube, I'm assuming that this episode will be on YouTube as well, you will see that the setup of my office is professional, that I am occupying the middle of the video. I'm looking at the video to see if it's all fine. And there is space around me, so my face is not too close. You know, you're not seeing up my nostrils or anything like that. And that's the setup that you can be inspired for your own work set up when you are on camera talking to your team, talking to your colleagues or presenting or going through a job interview. Understanding online etiquette, you know, remembering not to talk on top of people, using the raising hands function when you're in a webinar or a presentation, using the chat. The chat is so underrated and I think it's so important for us to use the chat to network and connect with people. So yesterday, for example, a recruitment firm here in Melbourne organized a really good event about burnout and I attended and the presenters were presenting and we were commenting in the chat and asking questions and sharing resources as well. So I think the chat is really important. You know, my son was visiting, he lives in the UK and he was visiting for a month and we spent a day setting up his environment so that he could work from home, setting up his second monitor. You know, he tried mine and he tried Andres and then he found a spot that was dedicated for him, you know, in the living room. I mean, it's not ideal, but it worked and we had lights and chargers and mics and camera. I actually carry my whole kit and caboodle with me when I travel. So I'm going to travel overseas for two months this year and I'm taking everything with me. It's not the setup that I have here, but it is a setup that I can take. And if I need to do a call or a video conference or a podcast interview in a hotel room, I know it's going to look professional. So I have a tiny light that I was gifted by a friend of my son's actually for Christmas. And it is, I really love that, the tiny light. I have a second tiny monitor. So everything packs really nicely. It packs small. I'm taking this microphone with me, but not with the big stand, you know, with a desk stand. So all of this is important. If you're, if you're like me and if you travel, I know that some of my clients sometimes have coaching sessions with me in hotel rooms and I can see that they put a little bit of effort into setting things up nicely, not just because they're seeing me, but because they are seeing clients, they are seeing members of their professional network as well when they are traveling and they're out and about. Okay, I hope you're enjoying these tips. We have three more to go. So number five, building a successful remote team. You know, exploring how to be a great team member or if you are a team leader, how to build and manage a successful remote team 
is really important in terms of leadership development these days. This includes strategies to communicate better with the people that you need to work with, collaborate better, and team building exercises that can be done remotely. And this may require updating your leadership style. If your leadership style has been developed for face-to-face interaction, it may not be enough to take you to the next decade of hybrid work and remote work. So reading about remote leadership, and some, some of these things are actually not new. I remember reading for my thesis when I was doing my honours, which is equivalent to a master's here in Australia, some interesting theories from the 70s, and they're called Substitutes for Leadership, and it fascinated me. I really enjoyed reading Substitutes for Leadership theories. It's more of a social sciences research than management research. I'll put a link to it in the episode show notes so you can have a look. Also, you know, some of the older ideas that I think translate well to this environment, and I study them as well, is the effect of different architectures in the workplace affecting leadership. So open workspace versus closed office space. If the leader was at the top of a building, I remember being fascinated by this. You know, I used to work in a environment, it was an old building and the main office for the senior executive was on the first floor because the building was so old, it was designed before lifts were available. So the best office in that building was on the first floor, just one set of stairs and you were there. I always felt so much more closer to that senior leadership team because they were more available. They were easier to find. And then I started working for another organization where the senior executive team was on the top of the building. That was a brand new building and the beautiful office was overlooking a you know a beautiful view, top floor. You hardly ever saw that group. You never ever saw the senior exec team. They were so distant from everybody. And that translated in the organizational culture. Isn't that fascinating. So when you think about remote work, you can think about how those theories can translate to that. You know, how can we have a leadership that is both far and close? And I think that the technology can help leaders. And if you're a team member, it can help you as a team member be closer to your colleagues. Client, you know, I have a client who has a team that is spread all over the world and the company is flourishing. And I think that the reason for that is the adoption of great project management tools and softwares that are shared within the team and the adoption of async communication styles so that, you know, people that are in different time zones don't feel like the meeting times don't suit them. So the async style for most of the communication and of course from time to time having a meeting that everybody needs to attend is also important but it doesn't have to be as often as we think it has. It's time to move on you know it's time to move on and understand and know we will not turn black the clock and it's not going to be like it was before. Your leadership style needs to follow this trend of remote and hybrid work. And we need to remember that some things are forever and they're classic, you know, in terms of management theory and things that you can do to 
boost motivation and productivity for yourself and for your team, but they may need to be adapted to a new working environment. And that adaptation is key and it will involve some professional development from your part, from everyone's part, I think. What else can we talk about? Let's talk about adapting to changing circumstances. Now, I really, I really like to talk about this and it brings a smile to my face because do you remember when we worked in the office and we thought change was difficult? <laughs> I think this is so interesting because change has always been so difficult, but oh boy, hasn't it become much more complicated now that we're working remotely, right? But oh boy, hasn't it become so much more complicated now that we are working remotely? People sprinkled everywhere. How are we going to change things with people all over the world and not having the opportunity to come to terms with the change? I have found that this is really what has impacted happiness, well-being the most in talking to people that reach out to me to become my clients. In a remote structure, adapting to those changes that are happening in the workplace can be so much more challenging. But you know what? I have also seen it become much more easier Why easier? Because if you don't see it, even if it's announced, but you don't see the change because you're working remotely and, you know, you're not necessarily linked to whatever the change is, you don't know anything about it until bang, it hits you in the face and then it's a shock. And I have experienced this so in a different way because my family's overseas. So sometimes there's a big change happening in my home country where my family is, let's say, They moved houses, right? It's a big change. It gives me a little bit of anxiety, but I don't see it. So I don't feel it. And then I go back and then, oh my gosh, it's not the house I grew up in. You know what I mean? Like it, it happens. And I think that that's something that I'm seeing in people working remotely and dealing with change in a much different way than they would if they were working in the office every day. So the shifting priorities that happen with change, sometimes shifting workloads or amazing restructures that happen. And then all of a sudden there's sometimes, and I've dealt with clients that have gone through this, a whole department has disappeared because there was a restructure, but you didn't say goodbye because you weren't there in the first place. You've been working remotely. You haven't seen these people in, let's say, two, three years. And then all of a sudden you need them to help you with something at work and they are not there. And that's when it hits you. So that is really hard and can really affect productivity. It can really impact you professionally as well. It's hard sometimes to be empathetic and understanding to an organization undergoing immense amount of change I have found with my clients. And you may feel left out of the decision making or the announcement or the information. You know, you feel like you've been neglected. So if that's you, then it, it it's something that you need to work on. And there are several ways that I work with my clients on that. But I would start with things that you can control. 
So things like picking up the phone and calling people. And I think so many of us have neglected our phones and have forgotten that they exist, but they're there for a reason. And I think you should reach out and get more involved. You know, if you've been avoiding going to the office because you're comfortable working from home, maybe now it's an opportunity for you to rethink that. Being more engaged in the meetings, turning your video back on when you have meetings. So those little things, if you add them all up, they make a difference and they will support you in dealing and adapting to changing circumstances at work. But I think we need to understand that a lot of the things that have happened in the previous years and are about to happen will continue happening. We won't see them. So we need to rationalize them and understand that they are happening without us being physically there, (laughs) watching things move and change, all those tectonic changes happening in the workplace. And things can change very quickly. So trust your intuition and follow the clues of things you may have picked up on in meetings or in conversations and don't wait until things blow over. If anything, you know, that's what I've learned as I work with my clients, that it's better to address things. If you have that intuition, it's better to address things before things blow over. And good luck. And I'm here for you. You know, you can always come and see me if you are finding it really hard to adapt to change and that's affecting your productivity and your ability to work from home. So keep that in mind. That's a really serious number six, adapting to change in circumstances when working from home. Now, the final thing I want to talk to you about are the resources and tools for remote workers that I am such a big fan of. And I want to share some of my favorite and what I believe are the best resources and tools that are available to remote workers in a document. So you can download it from a link that will be in the episode show notes. And, you know, I think that there are several that you already use, you know, things like productivity apps or time management tools or online training courses that you can do. Those are all okay, in my view. And I'd love to hear from you if you have things that you think are really good. So whenever I ask this, and I've asked this before when I'm doing group coaching programs or to my clients, they always mention project management tools. But, you know, usually I have found that if you work for an organization, the best thing you can do is adopt whatever project management platform or tool they offer you. If it's Trello, use Trello. If it's Basecamp, use Basecamp. If it's Microsoft, use Microsoft. You have to be very familiar with whatever they use and adopt that one because I think that would work better for you. It's okay for you as an individual, as a professional that wants to take control over your career to have a separate one for your own career life combination. People love Notion for that. All I'm saying seems too complicated for you. All you need to do is just get a pen and paper and write it down. That's my preference. I love writing things down using pen and paper. And I have recently started shifting everything to Microsoft. So I have OneNote, I have Planner, I have Teams to deal with my team and so on. So I used to to have all these sort of different boards everywhere, but I've moved everything to Microsoft because that's more productive and optimizes the subscription that we have with Microsoft anyway. 
I think it's better to use whatever work is providing you. And if you're between jobs, then pen and paper, post-it notes, really go for the simple things first. And once you can make it work in a simple way using pen and paper and post-it, then try to find if you want, you know, something that you can carry with you, that you can access on mobile or your laptop, that you can translate that whatever is in paper into that platform. But in my guide that you can download, I mentioned camera. I mentioned camera and mic, by the way, because the camera includes a microphone that I think is really good. I mentioned earbuds that I think working from home makes your life so much easier and makes you look so professional. If you have your earbuds on and you go upstairs because you need to have a coffee, but your boss calls you, you can turn it on, come back to the office, take that call and then go do your coffee again. You know what I mean? It just makes you more available. Lighting, I think, is really important. A second monitor is really important. When I ran this webinar presentation for a recruitment company here in Australia, the most popular item that people loved that I mentioned was a whiteboard. (laughs) And I thought that was really bizarre. But I got a lot of messages from people saying, I bought the whiteboard. I think it's a great idea. I don't know why I didn't think of that. I have one here right next to me. I'm about to use it now because I'm preparing to teach at Monash University and I do one session every day. I do one session a day on campus for the students that are coming to campus and then I do the same session. I run it again in the evening for those that are working and I use the whiteboard because I want the experience for those people that are doing it late at night after work to be as similar as possible to the experience from the students that went to campus. And the whiteboard is important for me. I love my tool called Loom that I use to record videos that I then send to my clients. And I think it's such an easy one to use. And I sent it to, in fact, I sent it now to Monash University with all the changes to the homeworks for each of my workshops that I'm teaching to the master's students in a few weeks time. And the thing that Joe wrote back to me is like, thanks for making it so easy with that video. That <laughs> Because I sent a Google Doc with all the changes and I sent the video explaining all the changes and the video is only six, seven minutes long, but it makes it easier. Instead of her having to read everything and guess, I'm like, Joe, this is what I mean. This is what it is. And I show her what the changes are in this short video. Now, I would love to know if this was a good episode for you, if this is the sort of ideas that you expect to hear in the Job Hunting Podcast. I think these ideas are good for both people that are looking for work and are between jobs, but it's also good for people that are working and trying to become more productive or thinking about their careers. I know there are lots of you that follow this podcast and you are employed. So if this has been helpful to you, please let me know. What are your favorite ways of working from home? What are your favorite strategies and ideas? Share with me if you're subscribed to my newsletter. All you need to do is hit reply to that newsletter that I send every Tuesday and let me know if you have other ideas that can help my clients be more productive working from home or maybe I can discuss it in a future episode. 
Now, if you're looking for more guidance on how to stay motivated when looking for work, then take a listen to episode 102, How to Feel Motivated When Looking for Work. <laughs> Very straightforward title. It's again, episode 102. There's a link to it in the episode show notes. And I'm always here for you. There are several other episodes you can listen to as well. We have a huge archive. I'm losing track of all of them, but you know, you can search by category. So if you're job hunting, you can search for that. If you're just lost your job, there's a category for that. If you're getting close to retirement, there's a category for that. So look for the job hunting podcast blog. It's in the episode show notes and then search by category and you can have a dedicated playlist for you for that specific topic. All right. Thank you for being here with me. It's a long episode and I look forward to seeing you next time. Bye.